Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. What's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. You got to be fucking shitting me, Ken. Flo. <laughs> I, I can't even believe we are doing this right now. I really can't believe it. It is Monday, April second, twenty eighteen. It's episode one hundred and fifty of the Anik and Florian podcast. This was supposed to be a celebration today, Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, and actually. Due to some scheduling conflicts, we taped most of this show last Thursday. Right. So you surprised me coming in studio this morning because of this breaking news. You're supposed to be on the uh, road going somewhere for some other work. So it's great to see you. I can't even believe it, man. A- and despite the prior history, right, the odds were very much stacked against this happening, yeah. right? This fight getting canceled a fourth time. You know by now, for the fourth time in as many bookings, this fight between Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov has been fucking canceled. Now, the silver lining is great, and Max Holloway is stepping up on a week's notice. He will face Khabib yes. Nurmagomedov, and that breaking news broke with the news that Ferguson was out. But, Kenny, I can't even believe that we are sitting here, and this is the narrative come fight week for 223, man. I'm uh, sick. It, it makes no sense. And, and how about this? Tony did not hurt himself in training because a, a lot of people were kind of misunderstanding that. Like, well, what was he doing? I, what was he doing training this hard, uh, this close to a fight? Unfortunately, right. uh, it was not. It was just kind of the most random of accidents. He was uh, apparently actually at the Fox lot, not too what far What are they doing over there, man? I know, man. He uh, was walking. Someone either called his name or he didn't expect to see someone. He turned around. And uh, he tore his LCL or something like that. 
Uh, I can't so, believe it, dude. All right. Well, coming up today, we're going to talk to UFC light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. That was taped on Thursday. You got a new Ray Longo minute, director, producer Bobby Razik as well. Before we get there, though, of course, Kenny, we got to hit all the angles of this breaking news. And and I really appreciate you coming in studio so we can hammer of some of this stuff. Um, so and we're also, by the way, going to go live today with nutritionist Tyler Minton. He's actually embedded with Khabib Nurmagomedov right now. Also works very closely with Max Holloway, whom he considers one of his best friends. So Tyler Minton, the melee way right in the middle of this whole thing. And he's very busy, but he'll break off a few minutes for us. As I mentioned, D.C. here in a little bit. So for starters, Kenny, this news broke on April Fool's Day. And the first thing Dana White said when the video went out was this is not an April Fool's joke. And once I saw that video, I took him at his word, right? Like this is a man of many resources. Uh, He's got a lot of things to do. I would think better ways to spend his Easter weekend, even though he likes a good prank. This fight wasn't one to mess with the masses on, right? They're very sensitive to it. It had been canceled three times prior. So once I saw Dana say that, I I just felt like we were in for the worst. And sure enough, here we are Monday morning. I, uh, I sent the news to a couple of crazed MMA buddies of mine, Kenneth Capello, who you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. Ty West, who, who, who's a director. And, uh, immediately, they sent me the emoji of this. You know, They're like, yeah, it's April yeah. Fool's. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah, nice try, dude. Uh, they've been waiting for this fight forever, and it didn't come together. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone was pretty incredulous uh, about the news. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. This fight is cursed. You, you basically can never make this fight ever again, right? I mean, fans aren't going to buy it. Like, you know, first time, second time, third time, fourth, fifth time? Do you try to put to, put this together for a fifth time? Um, I don't know, man. It's wild. It's it's amazing that Max was able to step up on, on this late notice. He was at the yeah. Fox lot a couple weeks ago. He did not get injured. Um, but And he's coming back yeah. from an ankle injury himself. But... Um, anyways, Tony has to be absolutely devastated. Habib as well. Uh, these guys have been training for each other for years, literally. Um, and the fact that this fight isn't happening um, is very disappointing. But um, as far as a replacement goes, you know, Holloway is probably a- a- as good as it gets. The rub, though, when it comes to Max Holloway is the weight. It's the ankle injury that you mentioned, right? The facts are this is a fighter who couldn't defend his title. On March 3rd against Frankie Edgar, so Brian T. City Ortega stepped in and knocked out Frankie Edgar, of course. But Max Holloway was an injured fighter. He is also a massive featherweight who has told me that he's going to fight at middleweight before his UFC career is said and done. Not just a permanent move up to lightweight that everybody expected at some point in the not-too-distant future, but to compete at welterweight and middleweight as well. Those are very real aspirations for Max Holloway. So, Kenny, as a fighter... How best to maximize these five days, right? I mean, I, not to mention who's walking out of the red corner in Habib Nurmagomedov. Right. Well, I mean, at, at this point, how much work can you really get done? I, I mean, right. first of all, Max has been preparing for other um, takedown-style fighters, but nobody like Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Um, right. and, and the big thing for Max, what allows him to be so successful in the octagon, is his ability to really uh, – maximize the efficiency of his energy throughout a fight. This guy does not get tired, but he knows how to pace himself in a fight. So he has that going for him on this kind of short notice. But still, you want to get a lot of good work in before a five-rounder and a five-rounder against someone like Habib Nurmagomedov, a guy who will inevitably push you uh, towards a slow death throughout that fight. Right. So uh, this guy is nonstop pressure. Um, 
And, you know, if I'm looking at one guy that, that Max has faced that's similar to a Habib Nurmagomedov, I can't find him. I, I, right. I just can't find right. him. And as far as challenges for Khabib Nurmagomedov in this matchup, I mean, I guess there are some similarities maybe in terms of the length, but Khabib's the type of stylist, Kenny. He's going to go in there and really try to cut off and, and close distance and do what he does. I mean, how much do you think strategically he's trying to make changes here during fight week, if at all? Not much, you know, because yeah. the, the beauty in Habib's game is the fact that this guy does the exact same thing every single time, no matter who he's facing. So um, it, it's always going to be an easy transition for a fighter like a Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, it, I, in a lot of ways, this is a tougher fight. Um, I, I think Max Holloway is way more technical than Tony Ferguson. Is he more right. dangerous? I don't know. But he's way more technical. He knows how to right. use his length extremely well. Tony gets hit a lot. Tony doesn't use his reach like I think he should. Uh, Max Holloway does. Max Holloway uh, is probably around 5'11". Um, so he's going to be tall. He's going to be taller right. than Habib, I think. Um, or they might be right around the, the same height. But... In, in, either, in either event, also Holloway is a guy who could switch his stances very well. He moves very well. He can fight going backwards very well. Um, yeah. Can he stop the takedown? Does, is he as much of a threat on the ground with his submission game um, as, as Tony Ferguson? I don't think so. Right. Now, some people might take a prime, fully trained, full training camp behind him, Max Holloway, over Tony Ferguson if you're trying to find somebody to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. But I think... It's going to be few and far between in terms of people who would take Max Holloway on six or seven days notice. And yeah. I think largely what he's going to be doing this week is just going to be trimming weight and trying to put himself in the best position as humanly possible. Yeah. And certainly there's some financial gain for him here. I respect the fact that he doesn't care so much about his winning streak that he is willing to step up. It's not as though this isn't without opportunity, Kenny, in, and him trying to become a simultaneous two-division champion, but just a huge ask to do it on six days notice notice it'll endear him to the fans Kenny certainly um but you got to think financially uh something was uh was done for Max Holloway otherwise I'm not sure he would have stepped up here and put that streak on the line well there's no doubt about that but uh, I will say uh this Hawaiian fighter uh he just wants to scrap man he wants to fight yeah. he was over at UFC tonight uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at the Fox lot talking about how he wants to fight this guy. He wants to fight that guy. Anyone who wants to fight him, he'll fight him. It doesn't matter. So he really means it, and, and this is proof that he means it. Um, yep. Not a lot of guys want to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. And, and how about this? This is a guy who is a 145-pound champion. Um, so I, I just hope that, and, and I think this will be the case, I think he's going to um, go out there and, and fight uh, a very good fight uh, for, for, for a while at last, hopefully. Um, right. This is a big ask for him on, on this kind of short notice. Um, but uh, I, I just hope that he doesn't kind of take so much damage in the fight where pe people don't respect him as much because you know how the fans are. You know, I, I hope that's not the case. I hope people yeah. realize um, how much of a man this guy is to, to take oh. this fight and put to put kind of his reputation on the line like this, I, I think is is unbelievable. So uh, for Max Holloway, he gets all my respect. Um I mean, how about this scenario? If he wins, if he goes right. out there and catches a beam on the – I mean, dude, <laughs> again, uh, for if there's one mixed martial arts fighter who can now say, I want Connor, it would be Max Holloway at this point, right? I mean, how right. big of a fight would that be? Well, and there are – you're right. And there are a handful of fighters, Kenny, Max Holloway among them, who are that Donald Cerrone type who want to fight 
multiple times a year. The weight issue is the only reason probably why a guy like Max Holloway isn't competing eight or ten times a year. So power to Max Holloway for stepping up. And this almost does call for a tattoo bet, right, Kenny, given the circumstances <laughs> to get like an 808 tattooed on my forearm if Max Nate, Holloway is able to get this thing done. That's a great point. You bring up a great point. Nate Diaz did it. So everyone who is saying, ah, oh, this is impossible, right. Nate taking this fight on short notice. The guy who has nothing to lose in a mixed martial arts fight is the most yep. dangerous opponent in the world. When all the pressure is on the other guy and you got no pressure and you're going in there – you know, nice and relaxed. You really don't have – he didn't have enough time to really get nervous about the fight. I mean, Max Holloway is going to be a dangerous go for anybody in any weight class. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, man. So Tony Ferguson is going to be stripped or will lose his UFC interim lightweight championship before he can defend it. I guess he wasn't even going to be defending that belt anyway. He could be facing surgery. So very devastating news for yeah. Tony Ferguson, who still – Sits in the record books as the only 155-pound fighter, and by the way, in this modern era, to have a double-digit UFC winning streak, and that'll be back on the line when he returns, but probably won't be in a championship setting. And Kenny, to your point earlier, Data White has said, I believe he told ESPN, he will never book this fight again. And no. crazy to think that me as a fan would be jumping off too, but... You know, four times, man, and having it go by the boards this time. You know, I gave our listeners a chance and, and two to one odds on this podcast over the last several <laughs> weeks. Odds on this fight getting canceled before fight night. And nobody took me up on it, Kenny. No. And you know why? Because it, this wasn't going to happen, right? Like, the only way this fight went away is some freak accident, right? Because if either of these guys, as I said, was even 65 or 70% going in, Kenny, they were going to make the weight and they weren't going to pull out of the fight, right? And maybe even if their cardio was compromised and they didn't make weight, right, they would still end up figuring out a way the belt would be on the line for one guy. Instead, we get this freak injury. I mean, is Ferguson overtraining, Kenny, right? Is that question fair to be asked? Right. I mean, it's a non-contact injury. We see them all the time in other sports and basketball and American football. But, you know, it, it's, maybe this injury would have happened in the fight, right? Maybe I, this injury would have happened in the fight. I don't like, I don't like seeing him kick steel poles to get ready for a fight, I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you that. Right, like, that, right. that's not going to help the knees, Tony. Don't, oh, don't kick any more steel poles, please, okay? Uh, it's not going to make you any tougher. We get it. You're a tough guy. Um, but, you know, this is devastating, man. How about this? We haven't really talked about the fact that Tony was the interim champ, correct? Yep. So now, again, he was the interim champ, so it's not as much of a big deal. But not only does he not get, to not get a chance to fight Habib, he gets his belt stripped as well. He he's not going to be the champ anymore after right. this fight. Cruel. It's Cruel terrible. World. Oh, my God. It's, and it's brutal, man. I, again, I don't get it. This fight is absolutely cursed, and I totally get Dana. I totally get Sean Shelby and all those guys who are just like, I'm done. Not and doing this fight know, anymore. Yeah, man. No, and yeah. I try to be optimistic, right? But I think if you're exclusively a mixed martial arts fan and you're not a fan of these other sports, this has got to be a really hard pill to swallow here yeah. because I tried all morning to find a parallel in other sports, and certainly in golf and tennis and wrestling and individual sports, if the athlete gets hurt, the tournament is over, right? Or the, the season is over. But 
Like, how about the Boston Celtics right now in the NBA? So their two best players are hurt, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, likely out for the season. As such, no one is giving them a chance to win the NBA championship, but it's not as though they're canceling the playoff games, and they still have a chance, and they will probably still win a playoff series. Look what the Philadelphia Eagles did, right? They just won a Super Bowl without their franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz. So it's hard for me to find a point of comparison, and – You know, this to me, it doesn't feel nearly as bad to me, Kenny, as like the Patriots losing a Super Bowl. But this is a real shitty feeling. Like my wife's like, you need to get a hold of yourself last night because I was (laughs) very much in a funereal way. And I don't know, man, this is hard. I feel for the fans. I really do. We move Uh, on. I'm doing new voiceovers this morning for the big show. But this is hard for fans, man. I feel for you. Dude, I I envisioned you like in front of the pond, kind of like chucking rocks, just questioning your whole life, skipping rocks across the pond, (laughs) listening to like classical music, questioning everything. I I don't get it, man. Yeah. And I mean, the UFC has to go through a lot as well. That's the thing that people don't realize is that now production wise, all the video, all the interviews, all the things they got to do last minute uh, to change everything. The poster. I mean. It, it's cra- It's crazy. I feel for those guys as well, man. This is never a good thing for anybody. Um, but the UFC, they're used to this. This is a um, more than a contact sport, right? This is a very, very tough sport on your body. This was a, a freak accident that happened to Tony. Um, so they're used to this by now. They're used to it. They know how to roll with the punches, no pun intended. And uh, here we are, man. F- just a few days from now, uh, it's going to be Max Holloway and Habib and not Habib and Tony. Absolutely mind-numbing, and I will always go back to UFC 213 when Amanda Nunes fell out of the main event on the day of, right? So production, you mentioned, were conditioned to it. Now there's a full week to rebuild all of that stuff, but just to give you a little insight, I'm voicing Glendale, Arizona combo features this morning, right? So this stuff, to your point, does happen very far in advance, and uh, this is a tough one, man. How about the tweet from, from MMA referee Mark Goddard? MMA, you cruel, cruel mistress. Got a feel for both Ferguson and Khabib. No doubt invested their heart and soul to this point. Unrelenting appreciation for Max Holloway. Is there any other sport, though, no less combat, that something of this magnitude could be saved with just days to go? So if we close it out on that, Kenny, that positively we have the featherweight champion with his double-digit winning streak in tow leaving Hawaii last night and stepping up to save this pay-per-view Thankfully, that is a huge part of this story, and uh, hopefully that's what people continue to talk about and focus on as we get ready for 223 here Saturday night. I just realized that's a tough flight, huh, going Hawaii to Brooklyn? Not easy, man, to the East Coast. Jeez. Oh, man. That's another uh, – uh, Max, you're a stud. Plain and simple. The real deal. All right, well, now with us on the guest line, a man who's already busy week, uh, may have gotten a touch more hectic – nutritionist to the stars power athlete nutrition coach tyler minton is with us tyler crazy 24 hours man it's good to see you appear to be holding up all right what's going on man yeah man it's it's uh it's been pretty unreal it's already going to be a extremely uh hectic week you know i I work with george lockhart and we had seven people on this card as it was um you know so we we had a full week ahead of us and then you know you get the call that not only is your main event's opponent out, but your main event is being replaced with someone else who you guys work with and someone who was not prepared to come in and, 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 and be ready. Uh, but we got to get him ready. So it's, uh, 
this this sports savage. It's I love it. Oh, it's man. predictable, but man, what a it, it's 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 this is a journalist's dream. Nutritionists, uh, I don't want to say not merits. It's, it's a dream for <laughs> us too. Me, me and George were discussing it last night. It's 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 really kind of awesome, but it's it's been nuts. Well, he couldn't have a better team trying to attack this weight cut and everything that goes with the challenges over the next five or six days. You are a pro fighter yourself with a 6-1 and one record. So how best, if you're Max Holloway, and we'll get to Khabib Nurmagomedov, but how best to attack the five days that he has here on the clock, which, of course, is ticking as we speak? Yeah, so so when he called, you know, he spoke with me and George. We both immediately started making some, uh, you know, some arrangements for him to – you know, to, to make the weight, whether or not the, 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 the fight happened or not. I mean, the second we even heard about it, there were things that needed to, to happen. We, you know, we had him change his water up. We had him change his, his, uh, his diet up a little bit just to immediately start, you know, kind of getting that water down, flushing out some inflammation. Uh, so we immediately started attacking that. And then we literally crunched numbers. I had all the numbers from Max's last weight cut. Uh, we, we track everything. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're food dudes, but we're, we're, we, we approach this with science. And that's, that's, you know, that's why we've, we've stood the test of time with all these athletes. We don't just, you know, there's no bro science here. There's a lot of numbers, facts, and figures. Uh, we got together, we put those together. We compared it to Max's last two weight cuts um, with where he's got to be on this weight cut. And we found that it is a, you know, it is a, a possible feat. And, and once we were determined that it was possible, um, you know, we, we, we said, yeah, we'll do it. We can make it happen. And, you know, Max caught a flight. So, so, Tyler, was that a part of the decision process on Max's part, was checking with you first to see if that weight cut was possible? Absolutely. I mean, it, Max is is a, a dream client. I mean, he really is. Um, you know, and, and we'll get to Khabib. He is as well. So I, I want to get fair, you know, uh, unbiased right. opinion on both. But uh, Max will do anything, man. This kid – the first thing he did was reach out to us and, and he wanted to make sure it was even possible. He wanted to make sure it was something that he could do healthy and he didn't trust, you know, anyone else. Like he, he talked to, you know, he talked to us and his manager talked to us and uh, Brian Butler and uh, they just wanted to make 100% sure it was something that we could, we could have in control before he even accepted it. Tyler, can you get, can you give us any insight as to like what his mentality was or kind of what he was talking about when he was telling you about this crazy news? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about Max Holloway and I don't, you know, I've been with him his last two camps, you know, unfortunately the last one had a, you know, a little bit of an issue with the ankle and we didn't get to finish it. But one thing I learned, man, Hawaiians are a different breed of human. They are relentless. It blows my mind how, you know, just, just they're warriors, man. And, uh, all that really was going through his head and, uh, you know, I, I think he would be comfortable with me saying this, so I'll say it. Max Holloway thinks Khabib Nurmagomedov is the best fighter in the world, and that is enough for Max Holloway to want to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. Wow. Now, have you been around Habib's uh, camp as well? Have you seen him train? Have you seen him work out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so his last camp I was there for weeks because uh, um, I had uh, him in D.C. at the same time. I had Khabib in D.C. for the first three weeks, then D.C. for the last three weeks alone. Um, and I always train with the guys. I love to train. You know, it, it's a blast for me. And it, I get to know a little bit about them. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's one thing to, to imagine what their energy levels are. But it's another thing if you feel the difference in their energy levels. And, you know, as a fighter, and that's, you know, that's where me and, me and George have an advantage, I think, over, 
you know, people who in the past we, you know, were, were, were competitors or whatever in this sport. Um, we felt it, you know, we, we, we know what this feels like. We know what the fighters need. So yeah, I always want to roll with them. And, uh, um, you know, another story I, I feel comfortable saying, Daniel Cormier had told me, he's like, Khabib Nurmagomedov is the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And when, when Daniel Cormier, who is, I mean, arguably the best pound for pound fighter in the world right. is saying this, you're curious. So I went and, uh, I wanted to roll with Khabib so bad. You know, I was a wrestler, I was a fighter, and I was, you know, grappling was my thing. And it was probably the most embarrassing five minutes of my entire life. Uh, Believe it, man. I used to think I used to think the bear thing was like, yeah, that's a little. (laughs) Nah, man, I'm a bear hunter. Like I hunt bears in Tennessee. I'm a redneck, and uh, (laughs) I I would firmly take Khabib Nurmagomedov with me bear hunting, and, and, and think he could. He could take one down. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It is ridiculous what this kid is like when he gets his hands on someone. How would you compare them as fighters? You've been around them, uh, been around their training camps. What What are the, some some differences and some similarities in, in their games and their approaches? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is it's it, it's it's the dream MMA mashup. You have the guy who's you know. Uh, uh, a little leans towards striking, but is also a grappler. You know, Max obviously trains grappling. He knows how to grapple. You know, you don't you don't become a champion in this sport if you suck at anything, really. Um, you know, but but Max is very much a, a a more skilled striker than he is a grappler, or at least at least he uses his striking. That's what he's known as. The guy picks guys apart and 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 laughs and you know claps while he's doing it. Uh, Khabib is one of the best wrestlers in the world. You know, so you know not not. Not that Khabib doesn't know how to strike. You know, he displayed some really good striking in his last fight and really outstruck Barbosa. You know, he was his his strikes were landing, man. It was beautiful. But Khabib is obviously more geared towards grappling. So you have, you know, the true mixed martial artist dream here in, in a in a a uh, you know, a better grappler versus a better striker and and, and let's see who's uh, who's who's average beats the other mm-hmm. you know they're both just absolutely tenacious they're both their work ethics insane uh neither of them fight with hate or animosity they just they love to fight so it's really cool um it's just uh it's it's weird you know it kind of it, it, it it's tough to to be with both men because i care about them both so much they're you know I, i'd consider them both extremely close friends they're great people two of the best people i've met not even in the sport just in life in general uh so it's you know, it's it's really a dream matchup, in my opinion, for, for everyone who's watching. Tyler Minton with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Tremendous insight you're providing into both sides of this equation. I'd imagine, though, you had to think at some point, and maybe it's already happened in the UFC, given how many athletes you guys are working with, that it was only a matter of time before you were going head-to-head yeah. in a high-profile situation like we've got this weekend. Yeah, I mean, and we've done it before. You know, we've had, like, James Vick and Joe Duffy fought each other. Right. You know, and it was weird. I was with both guys and I, you know, they both said the kind of the same thing. They're like, well, you know, I, I want to fight the best Joe Duffy or I want to fight the best James Vick. And if you can get them in there as, as their absolute best, then that's what we want. These guys are the exact same. You know, that's again, that's that's kind of what makes our company. We have a team. Uh, you know, we got several individuals here. We're, we're growing our team. You know, a, a lot of new guys who are training with us this week and it's the perfect week for them to do so. Um, yeah. You know, and they, they, they came in on a good week, but it's uh, that's one thing that, that makes us what we do. You know, we're professional. We'll work with anyone because we're here to do a job and that job's not only to help them make weight, but to help them to perform at the best, you know, at their highest possible level. And our relationship with 
the the fighters has nothing to do with that. Our our job is is to get them in there, and we can do that. And once we do that, the best man will win. You know, it could, my job's to get Khabib on weight and uh, help him perform at his best. Khabib's job's to get in there and fight. You know, our job's the same thing with Max Holloway, and we'll give them both equal treatment. We'll give them both a job, and uh, you know, our best job, and we'll let them handle uh, handle what they're supposed to handle. I'm sensing a monthly segment, the Melee Minute for Get Ray Longo here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Tyler, I appreciate your time. I'll leave you with this. Khabib Nurmagomedov, at least to the untrained eye, seemed to master everything about this weight management process prior to the Edson Barboza fight. I don't know how far you guys go back, but is that fair to say that ahead of that Barboza fight, Khabib did everything right, and it is your expectation that that's exactly what we'll see here again during this fight week? Yeah, you know, I worked with I worked with him with, for that fight. You know, that was my first right. time working with him, and man, he showed up. You know, I, I got a lot of notoriety from it because people saw me on the scale, or you know, at the scale with Khabib, and and you know, people saw me with him all week. But the fact is, man, if 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 you give us an unprepared, unprofessional, um, you know, Athlete, uh, client yeah. who's just not doing their job, we can't do our job. Khabib right. Nurmagomedov came to me already prepared. Uh, he came to us with a whole new attitude. He was doing everything he could. Uh, he was doing everything right when we met up. So it made my job extremely easy. He, uh, he approached the way he should. So, you know, we're here to make it the absolute best, but yeah, you're 100% right. Khabib Nurmagomedov, you know, did the work. He did everything he could. And, and you know, this camp's the same way he showed up. He showed up with no doubt in my mind, it's going to be an insanely easy weight cut. Um, you know, so, so we, we got a good, uh, we'll have a good outcome. Well, I wish you all the best, man, for what is going to be a crazy week for you. I know on Twitter you can find Tyler Minton at the Melee Way, M-E-L-E-E. Tyler, man, all the best. Look forward to seeing you at the weigh-in uh, at the weigh-in on Friday morning, and hopefully we can catch up with you after the fight because uh, I think this one is going to be one you look back on pretty fondly, no matter how it goes. So thank yeah. you for breaking off a few minutes, bub. We'll see you later this week. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Good luck, Tyler. <clears throat> all right, there is Tyler Minton. On the Anakin Florian podcast, an interesting Kenny to hear him talk about Max Holloway making weight as a possible feat, right? right. Make no mistake about it, right? Ken Flo 2-0 and against the UFC featherweight limit, and you consider both of those professional wins, I would think, yeah. just making the goddamn weight. <laughs> exactly, man. First of all, uh, awesome, awesome get in Tyler uh, Minton, man. He, he's, he was awesome. A, a lot of great yeah, insight, man. as you mentioned. Um, so very cool that you had him on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, again, Max Holloway is not is not the smallest featherweight. He's huge. He gets huge. very, very big, man. He gets up into the 180s. I'm telling you, he's yes. that big. So for yeah. him uh, to make 145 is quite a feat every single time out. For him to make 155, uh, I think it's going to be – it's not going to be easy. It really no. isn't. Uh, Habib might even be lighter than him at this point, uh, at this stage yes. of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised. So that's a good thing. It's also a bad thing, right? Because we want to see Max Holloway at his full potential. Obviously, that you know, given the circumstances, we're not going to be able to see that. Um, however, the good thing is he's not going to be that much smaller than Habib, hopefully, uh, right. on fight night. So he is a 145-pounder, but... He's not just a regular 145-pounder. He's the champ with a tremendous amount of skill and will um, and experience, um, and he's also not going to be that much undersized. 
And you're right. I think as we sit here on Monday, there's no doubt in my mind that Khabib Nurmagomedov right now in this very moment weighs less than Max Holloway. And for the fans all over me when I'm tweeting about 178 pounds, like if you think Max Holloway is walking around at 168, 170 pounds, you're fooling yourself. I'm right. not going to get into the numbers. I wasn't going to put Tyler on the spot and ask what his weight was when the call came in. But if you think he's sitting there 160, 165, you know, simple weight cut. Uh, Max is going to stare hell in the face this week, and the Hawaiian Warrior is going to power right through it. And again, despite this Ferguson Nermago Meta matchup just being cursed, uh, UFC is certainly blessed with Max Holloway, and we'll see what he can do with the opportunity against Khabib Nermago Meta. All right, so coming up now, you're going to hear some content that was taped last Thursday when, of course, the fight between Ferguson and Khabib was still on. We have edited out all of the irrelevant stuff, so we appreciate the extra hours out of our great producers. Um, but coming up, you're getting all of Kenny's picks on UFC 223, save for the new main event. We'll talk to UFC light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier to get another insight into the pulse of Khabib Nurmagomedov update on Ally Quinta in the Ray Longo Minute also director producer Bobby Razik his film Mask is out on April 3rd so as promised here the rest of episode number 150 of the Anakin Florian podcast enjoy thoughts from you on Ronda Rousey if I could I know you talked about it on UFC tonight last week after she went through that ESPN car wash she had a couple of moments in which she got irritated, uh, annoyed with a couple of the hosts and, and their line of questioning or yeah. the way they delivered those questions. Um, you know, I don't watch UFC tonight. So for those that didn't see it, I'm just kidding. I love that show. But what was your what was your thesis statement on on these appearances for Ronda? I mean, did, did they make you take a hard stand there on FS1 or what? Well, you know, no, I, they don't make me really do anything. But, you know, it was something to <laughs> talk about because I, I felt like um, for Ronda, you could see that she's still very much hurt uh, by the fact that she lost. I mean, we all remember her uh, doing an interview for one of her upcoming UFC fights, and she was still upset uh, and crying about her loss in the Olympics. You know, so she obviously has a, an, ama an amazing uh, pride uh, that she brings in with her every time she competes. I think that's what makes her such a special athlete. Um, but also, you know, I, I think that... It, it inhibits her a little bit. Um, I think, you know, having that chip on her shoulder, um, you could see she's still very upset about it. Um, she also feels like, you know, maybe she held on and, and fought for a little bit too long. She felt uh, the pressure of maybe carrying the UFC organization. It was pr primarily on the shoulders of Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. So I definitely get that. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think she needs to just look at the positive. There's a lot of negativity around her. You know, yeah. she was very confident. Obviously, she was talking a little bit of trash. She got in the face of Holly Holm and, you know, was obviously ramped up for that fight against Amanda Nunes as well and um, put a lot into those, uh, especially that last fight with Nunes and, and trying to come back. Um, and I think a lot of people were just very cruel, like like people are on, on the Internet. Uh, they love seeing you fail. Um but at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's it's way more important um, to to be to be positive in those kind of instances, and and it's hard, right? I mean, I can't imagine she's been on every magazine cover, she's been on all the big TV shows, and everyone's going to chime in and, and throw negativity her way. Um, but I, I think she's still carrying that. Um, yeah. She's still trying to get rid of that, uh, right. and, and with her kind of pride, I I think it's. It, it, it's tough. It, it is tough, and she. It, it's almost like she wasn't even listening to the question. She heard the the word loss, um, or MMA, and, right. right? Or MMA, and she just like she turned off. She wasn't even there. She didn't yeah. want to listen to it. 
So before the Holly Holm fight, we talked about Ronda Rousey eventually fighting Chris Cyborg. And I said on this show a million times, I thought that fight would happen because I felt like Ronda didn't want to be feet up in retirement, you know, her dream house in the woods, thinking about what if or hearing people at the grocery store say, why didn't you fight Chris Cyborg? So then the narrative changed profoundly. She got knocked out by Holly Holm and then Amanda Nunes. And even now, as you saw, if you caught any of the footage last week, she doesn't want to field questions about her MMA career. I thought the questions that were asked were fair. You're supposed to ask questions that people want the answers to as a journalist. So I don't fault those guys for asking those questions. I guess the only thing I'll say is that you really do have to prepare for the subjects that you are going to interview. And I think you have to know going in, producers certainly know, that when you ask Ronda Rousey about mixed martial arts – and you don't pose it carefully or in an effective way, you're going to get stonewalled or you're not going to get a thoughtful answer. Now, if the goal is sensational journalism to try to set her off, then maybe the goal was accomplished. But if the goal is to get a thoughtful response, I can assure you if Ronda Rousey was on this podcast, we would be asking her about MMA, but we would try to do it in a way, you know, that would elicit something positive. So a lot of sort of negativity, but big picture to me, um, it seems like, even when she gets to that house in the woods, Kenny, and gets her wish to disappear for a while, I'm just not sure that she's ever going to be totally over these things. And maybe she can get there one day, but at least clearly I don't think she is there right now. You know? No, absolutely, and I think you nailed it right there. I mean, you can try to run away from your problems. You can try to get away from the media and all those things. And I, I think that, that helps things, obviously. You know, getting your picture taken wherever you go and having to do interviews you know, left and right, it, it's certainly annoying. But what it comes down to it is she needs to be happy with what she's accomplished, which is something that very few people on this planet will ever accomplish. Okay, She was um, a six-time or five-time defending world champion. Um, She's a bronze medalist in the Olympics. She's competed at the highest level of two different sports. Um, She was the face of this sport. Um, She needs to spin it positively, and I think when she's able to move past that and, and maybe just get rid of some of the anger and the animosity that she has, uh, yeah. which is probably carried over from a lot of the fans, which also love her, um, she, she just needs to move past that. And no matter where she is, no matter how isolated she is, she's still going to have to deal with that, whatever is inside. Yeah. Well, we both really like her and yes. her team, and nice to see her smiling and doing what she loves. And as she said, when she's done with the WWE, uh, She'll step away into the woods and, and hopefully be heard from at least here and there. Definitely. Now with us on the guest line, the fourth time we called him. This is a man who exactly 100 days from today, I don't even know if he knows that, but DC, 100 days from today, you try to become the second simultaneous UFC two-division champion, the Hall of Famer to be. Daniel Cormier is with us. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How about you guys? You're 100 days out, man. Does that sound like a long time to you? It still feels like a while. I mean, you know, as you start getting closer, you start really buckling down, and then it starts to feel, you know, more like reality. We're still kind of in that phase right now where it's like, I know I have this really, really big thing coming up, but I don't feel the stress of it and everything just quite yet. UFC light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. We were actually talking on the show last week about what the pay-per-view price point would be to see you and Khabib just in a wrestling match. Uh, and we think we could do a pretty good number, to be honest with you. So 
So you're traveling to Brooklyn to, to show your support, but I guess those expecting to hear you scream Thug Rose this weekend are going to have to wait at least until her next fight, yes? Yes, there's no uh, – I, I couldn't call the fight. Um, I'm very open with the fact that I'm not sure I could be unbiased. You know, when those right. guys fight, Khabib, Velasquez, Rockhold, I know that I would have a tough time just calling the action – uh, right down the middle, and I don't want to do that and put not only myself but the fans in a situation where they're not hearing the fights called as they should be. All right, a couple quick ones on the way out. We do appreciate five minutes today with the champ. So when you weigh in on the morning of July 6th, what will you weigh, and are you going to make us wait until 11 a.m. just because you can as a heavyweight, or are you going to come on early? <laughs> you know, I think as, as a heavyweight, you're not in that rush to just rush down and go jump on the scale. You know, Sleep, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I know I'll be between 230, 230, between 230 and 235 at the heaviest. Uh, you know, but you never know how the weight comes down when I start training, you know. The, right. Those, those early plunges, usually come off pretty good. Anik, so. don't believe a word this guy said. He'll be, be between <laughs> 250 and 265. He <laughs> was stealing my hey. sandwiches yesterday, knocked the cookie hey, out of my hand. Unbelievable, uh -huh. this guy. No respect. Anik, 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 yesterday Florian had a cookie right as he <laughs> – hey, and you know Florian's not your normal guy. You know, he's very bourgeois, <laughs> as they like to say. He, so he eats his cookie with his with his pinky finger up in the air <laughs> right as he started to that put is that a lie. Mouth, I slapped it, slapped it out of his hand, and I hate that cookie. I ain't <laughs> make He's a no bully more. in the avocado room, I tell you. Hey, no food is safe. Keep uh, Kitty's like, don't bring me any cookies. I want scones with my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's scones, and it's it's tea only and tea or espresso too. Oh man. Yes, hey, so, yes, yes. Uh, so New York Stock Exchange opening bell on Friday. Daniel Cormier's ringing it, so hopefully you bring our stock some good luck, man. That's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting, man. You know, I was lucky enough to uh, do the closing bell uh, before the Olympics in 2008. So, oh wow, I want to go and open the stock exchange on uh, on Friday. That's a big deal, man. Big, exciting thing to do, and, and, and an unbelievable experience. You know, so. I'm excited about that, too. That's awesome. Um, almost as big a deal as the Talk and Talker podcast starring Daniel Cormier, which you can catch on iTunes and all the places you and Jess podcast. All right, next time we hear you on the Fox Sticks is when? Glendale, Arizona? Yep, Glendale, Arizona, man. Poirier versus Gaethje. Unbelievable fight. Big month for the lightweights, and I'm just excited to be calling a part of the action. All right, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes. We'll see you in Brooklyn. My man, John Anik. Later, Flo. DC. All right, there he is, UFC light heavyweight yep. champion Daniel Cormier joining us for a few minutes. The brown envelope is in the mail, DC. So uh, <laughs> charged us today. What are you going to do? It's going to be interesting to see his fight against Stipe Miocic because so much was made of Conor McGregor's quest to become a two-division champion. And, of course, the Rafael Dos Anjos fight never happened, which is a whole different conversation. But – I think eventually, Kenny, once we get a couple of these other pay-per-views in the can, the conversation is going to start turning to D.C. July 7th, 100 days from today. It is. It is going to be a lot closer than people think. And I think for D.C., this is a guy who knows how to win again. Um, and I think also being around Stipe Miocic, D.C. just finds a way to just be very comfortable and he pokes and prods, and he finds out about who you are and what you're like and, and kind of what annoys you, what, what you laugh at. 
So DC's a very smart guy. That's the other thing. And I think him being around Stipe is a huge advantage for him. Um, also, a lot of Stipe's success comes with his wrestling. He's not going to have the advantage when it comes to the wrestling department. He'll have the size advantage. Um, so I'm really fascinated who wins that aspect of the fight, um, who's going to be faster. Stipe puts together some beautiful combinations. Um, and at the same time, I think for Stipe, he realizes what an honor it would be if he was able to get a win over someone like Daniel Cormier. So uh, I can't wait for this fight. I can't wait for this season of the Ultimate Fighter to see, uh, the, you know, just the, the Stipe and DC dynamic, man. That should be a lot of fun. No, and I think you're right that DC stands to gain a lot from rubbing shoulders and rubbing elbows with Stipe Miocic over those six weeks. I know he's glad taping is done and he can get focused on the training, but that fight's going to come before you know it. UFC 226, July 7th uh, in Las Vegas. All right, let's get to Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. And Kenny Florian podcast. See, we got a good lead in for you today, Ray Longo. You see that UFC light heavyweight cha champion Daniel Cormier leading into the Ray Longo minute. If we don't lead the show with you, we're trying to at least give you a high profile guest leading into your segment because I know that's what your agent asked for. So no, there nothing go. better than following DC. All right, so here we are. What can you tell us about raging ally Aquinta? Ready to go on point? Is he raging? What is the. What is the 411 on Raging Al? Uh, he's looking good, man. We had our last sparring session today. Very good. Uh, right now, it's just uh, sticking with the game plan and keeping him healthy, as it is with everybody at this point. But uh, really great, great sparring today. Very, very uh, – it, it was just good. Very, very busy, and he's he looks like he's on point, and um, I'm happy for him. It's amazing when you go back and look at what Ally Quinta has accomplished on paper. He's won eight of his last nine in the UFC. Do you know right now whether or not he is the betting favorite against Paul Felder this weekend? I think somebody might have told me he was a slight favorite. That's what I, I understand. Slight betting favorite. See, you're listening, man. I like that. Like but you don't you know, think though. that speaks you would, to... You would know because you're a compulsive gambler, so you tell me. <laughs> I think compulsive is probably a better word than degenerate. I had to Google degenerate. <laughs> I guess it's probably not always the word I'm looking for. I think compulsive, obsessive. Um, so, But don't you think, though, Ray, in all seriousness, that that, that betting line, it, it speaks to me in some parts of the body of work because he's favored to beat a guy who has three straight wins by knockout who has been more active over the last 18 months. But Vegas usually knows, and you're the guy who they've installed as the favorite, and he's held there over the last two months. Yeah, no, I've I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because uh, of the activity uh, of it. But, uh, you know, it, it's a great fight on paper for Al, I think, for both guys, really. I really can't see this being a bad fight. Um and I think, uh, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, but I think it's a, you know, it's it probably I would have thought it was going to be even. I thought maybe even Felder might be the favorite because of the uh, the activity. But um, right. either way, man, it's a good fight, you know. Very interesting stuff there from Ray Longo. And last thing, I know you don't love everything about modern-day mixed martial arts in terms of the way the sport is going, at least when it comes to certain conversations. I bring it up in the context of Ally Aquinta's post-fight interview this weekend. Obviously, he's had some memorable ones that have really, I think, endeared him to the fans. I mean, I know we laugh off the, you know, are you booing me? Fuck you. But I think it endeared him to a lot of people. It swelled his fan base without question. This is a massive night for the lightweights. Will you and Matt Sarah have a single conversation about 
a call out or anything if he goes out and, and starches Paul Felder in the first round? Or is that just the furthest thing from your mind right now? That That's the furthest thing uh, from my mind right now, to be honest with you. But yeah. uh, to why do people love him? I think, you know, there's guys that sell fights and there's guys that obviously put on an act to try to get in there. I think what the people love about Ally Quinter is it's genuine. It's heartfelt. Right. You know, it's off the cuff and it's, I, I think they like the genuineness of it. And the guy does go out and fight. You know what I mean? He's, you know, even in that fight, man, he got dropped in the first round and he came back against a really, really talented Jorge Masvidal. I mean, that is no joke. And, you know, whether he won or lost that fight, man, he was pushing forward and he wasn't going anywhere. And uh, I think that's what people love about him. He's a, he's a genuine guy. He's not looking to sell shit. That's not an act. It's right. who he is, and that's what he felt. You know what I mean? And uh, I did have a conversation with him in Virginia right after that, yeah. for sure, while we were walking back. Uh, but, no, I don't think so. But now that you bring it up, maybe we will. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I, – I definitely was the furthest thing from my mind. I'm really uh, – he's very excited about this fight, and I really just want him to win the fight. And I think uh, just – or really just to perform as – the maximum capacity can have fun, go out there and just, you know, does do what he does in sparring and just have a blast, you know, and, uh, you know, put on a good show for the fans. I think that's what it's coming down to. Yeah. Ally Quint is only selling houses, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we wish you all the best. We wish Al all the best. I look forward to seeing you later this week in Brooklyn. And, uh, if, if, if you're in need of a last minute podcast guest or something, um, you know, I'd be happy to make an appearance. I know your podcast is blowing up. So he wants ratings, Anik. He wants ratings. He doesn't want to go <laughs> yeah, right. down. When he you, wants up. When are you, when are you coming into New York? I'm just looking for a guest spot so I can promote the Florian and Anik podcast. That's what I'm <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know what, man? There's room for everybody. That's good. That's good I get in. Man. I get in Thursday, and maybe we can hit some pads Friday morning. You got nothing going on, so. <laughs> I'll be giving out that uh, pre-fight speech about don't whatever yeah. you do, don't don't attack yeah. Anik on the microphone. Yeah, well, he's getting <laughs> Joe Rogan this weekend, so. Oh, he's getting Rogan. Oh, Rogan. Getting Rogan. Rogan will probably Joe will probably egg him on. I'm, I'm supposed. Yeah. To. Hey, right. have yeah. Anik do that so. weight cut with Iaquinta too when he's out there too, right? Yeah. Put him through. Yeah, that. I'll cut weight with Al. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Now Al doesn't have. He has a good weight cut, Al. He's not one of those guys good. that you struggle with. So that's all good. good. Awesome. All right, man. Keep smiling. Have a good fight week. We will see you in a few days. All right. Awesome, guys. Take care. All right, there he is, Raymond Peter Longo, the Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. Well, UFC fighters are tough, but you know what else is tough? Toyo tires. That's why Toyo has been a proud sponsor of the UFC. Just like the UFC fighters, Toyo tires are built for battle. It's an all-or-nothing philosophy. Durability, aggressive design, on-and-off-road capabilities, yes to all of them. Living life on the highway, Toyo has you covered. Spending some serious time off-road. They have a tire for that, too. No matter what you drive, Toyo has what you need. And frankly, these tires just look cool, too. Any vehicle, every terrain, all or nothing, Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo to experience more. Visit toyotires.com slash UFC, toyotires.com slash UFC. All right, time to make some picks. UFC 223 style. Let's go. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
All right, joining us to make picks today, we don't update the standings because the first time in three years of this show, the host fell asleep at the wheel and he doesn't have the standings in front of him. So we are right to the guest line out of Staten Island, New York. Short hop over the bridge. He'll be inside Barclays Center in Brooklyn Saturday night. Dallas Singer is with us. Dallas, welcome, man. Thanks for the time today, man. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you. Wow, you got nicer hair. You got better hair than Kenny Florian. So, so Dallas, I'm told you're a longtime listener to the podcast and a big, big time Kenny Florian fan too. Is is that accurate? Yes, that's 100 percent accurate. I'm a big fan of Kenny. Kenny finishes fights, but I finish fight picks. (laughs) You just put him on the spot. What is he going to say? No, I'm not a Kenny Florian fan. That guy's a guy's a. No, I've been watching some some tough one, Kenny. Ah, thank you, my man. I appreciate it. See, one time, though, we'll have someone on, and they'll say, you know, hey, man, I wasn't really. the biggest fan of Ken Flo. <laughs> exactly. You know? I would love that. <laughs> right? Nah, not really. I mean, not my cup of tea. Yeah. Just like when, 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 you, when your wife gets pregnant and it's like the third kid and you're 40, <laughs> you want someone to give you their condolences maybe <laughs> instead of their congratulations. Yes. Um, all right, we got a lot of picks today, so I'm going to stop wasting time. So not, not three picks today, not five, not seven, not nine. Uh, ten picks apiece, five on the main card, five prelim quick picks. Start first fight out of the shoot on pay-per-view. We talked about it with Ray Longo. Ally Aquinta right now, the minus-135 favorite. Paul Felder, slight underdog, plus-105. Felder, as many of you know, has won three straight, all by knockout, five of six overall. Iaquinta has won his last five. Dallas, who do you like here? Close fight, at least on paper, Ally Aquinta or Paul Felder? Well, both these guys are great strikers with knockout power. I've been looking forward to this matchup since they first tried to book it at 218. To me, Felder has more weapons that he can utilize in the striking department. I love all the guys coming out of Sarah Longo, but I'm going with the dog, Felder. Longo, he might have me thrown out of New York. I know. I mean, not standing by your fellow New Yorkers. Maybe you'll be rooting for Iaquinta, but hopefully you're rooting with your pick. It is Felder at plus 105. Kenny, obviously, if I was giving you 100 bucks to go to the betting window, it's a little bit different than in our scoring system. You do get two points. For Felder, just one for Ally Quint. I don't know if that sways you. Um, how do you see this fight playing out? Uh, this is a tough one. I, I really love both these guys. I think uh, Ally Quinta probably punches harder. Um, I think he's a guy that if he goes forward is really going to pose a lot of problems for Felder. Felder has more weapons, though, in my mind. And what really concerns me is that knee injury of Ally Quinta. He's been dealing with it. Um, it's one of those things I feel like that, I don't know. It could go at any time. And Felder, with those leg kicks and the way he likes to crush that lead leg, I don't know. I, I think i got to give the advantage there to Felder. Uh, I'm a little worried about the health of Ally Aquinta. Both these guys uh, can win this fight. It's a close one, but uh, I'm going to I'm gonna give the nod to Felder here. All right, also at 155 pounds on the main card, boys. Ultimate Fighter Live winner, Michael Chiesa. Returning here, he's the minus 135 favorite against Anthony, Anthony Showtime Pettis. Pettis. Plus 105 right now. So I think at times Pettis has been favored depending on where you look. But at least for our purposes, we will proceed with Chiesa as the favorite. Dallas, which way are you going? Michael Chiesa or Anthony Showtime Pettis? Uh, to me, this is sort of the standard grappler a striker matchup. I mean, Showtime has improved wrestling thanks to Izzy style. And he could keep the fight standing. Even if it's very hard to submit him. I think he'll be able to get back to his feet. And I'm just not convinced that the Showtime magic is gone. I'm going with Pettis for the win to get back inside the top 10 at lightweight. All right, Pettis, a plus 105 for Dallas. So, Kenny, Kiesa's been out since that fight in Oklahoma City, the main event against Kevin Lee. That, that was all the way back in June of last year. 
Pettis has dropped two of three, the last of which the main event to Dustin Poirier in November. Another close fight here at 155, Flo. Who do you like? And, and this one concerns me and, and, and might be concerning for the Pettis camp here because uh, Chiesa is a grinder, and, and uh, Pettis has had trouble with guys that try to wrestle him and try to grind him down. Um, but I, I do think that Pettis has improved his wrestling. I do think he has a huge advantage uh, on the feet against Kiesa. Kiesa is very tall, though. Um, but I, I think uh, with Kiesa coming out, and this, he's a southpaw, right? Uh, yes. So I, I think that is going to be trouble for him. I think Pettis does uh, very well uh, against other southpaws. So I'm, I'm going to go with Showtime here. All right, Showtime Pettis for Ken Flo as well. Every time Michael Kiesa fights, I have to read what is my all-time favorite tweet. From Jeff Gallo, May 23rd, 2014, from UFC 173. Michael Chiesa looks like he's been living on a bus in Alaska eating poisonous plants. <laughs> that, that is a, a reference to, uh, to McCandless, I think, uh, in that book. Uh, in, what is that? Into the, into wild? the Wild? Into the Wild, yes. Yeah, yeah the hashtags, Into yeah. the Wild, That's Big funny. Hard Sun. So That's I didn't even funny. know the reference, right? Yes. But he does at times look like he has been living on a bus eating poisonous plants, but he's cleaned <laughs> up his act a little bit. So uh, doesn't look like he's been oh, eating man. poison anymore. All right. Featured belt guys on the main card here at Featherweight. Boston's Calvin Cater, Brazil's Renato Moicano. Cater right now minus 155. Comeback on Moicano at plus 125. Cater, a win over Shane Burgos earlier this year in his native Massachusetts, his 10th in a row he is 18 and 2, 2 and 0 in the UFC. Moicano 11, 1 and 1. Dallas lone professional loss to Brian T. City Ortega. Dallas, who's it going to be here, Moicano or Cater? You know, I, I see Moicano trying to keep this fight at range with some leg kicks, body kicks, but Cater's much more technical. He really impressed me with that third round finish of Shane Burgos. I'm going to go with the favorite this time, picking Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater, the pick to click for Dallas. Kenny, for me, it's still kind of hard to quantify how high the ceiling is for Calvin Cater because he just has this bulk of regional experience. Mm -hmm. So far, so good in the big show, but I would think uh, his toughest test to date here against the Brazilian. Well, Dallas needs to stop having these great picks here because uh, uh, I'm going to go with Calvin Cater as well. <laughs> uh, he, impressed the, he impressed the hell out of me against Burgos. Burgos is a tough out for anybody. Tall for the division. Um, tricky and slick uh, fighter, a guy who really knows how to stay composed. And, and Cater, I think, is really coming into his own, man. I think that win over Burgos uh, gave him even more confidence. Um, I see him taking, in, taking uh, Moicano out on the feet. All right, Calvin Cater, for both of you at minus 155. That brings us to the co-main event for the UFC Strawweight Championship. This was the fight I was most looking forward to getting Ken Flo's selection on. Rose Namajunas, first defense. She will make it as a slight underdog, plus 110. Ioana Jacek, minus 140. She is favored to win her belt back. We have talked at length about this fight. As has the former champion, Ioana Jacek, about her weight-cutting issues. She has employed the likes of George Lockhart and Daniel Leith. She is at 122 and a half pounds, 10 or 11 days out. All good signs. The question is Dallas. Who leaves Brooklyn as the UFC's strawweight champion? You know, I'm, I'm really pumped for this rematch. I know Joanna is saying her weight cut had a lot to do with the loss, but I think that Rose really mastered that Trevor Whitman striking system, and bad weight cut or not, I think Lightning is going to strike twice. Doug Rose will win by knockout again, this time in the second round. And I know DC is not on the broadcast, so it's up to you, John, to play with <laughs> Doug Rose champ. I'll see what I can do. I will see what I can do. Rose Namajunas, round two TKO for Dallas. 
Ken Flo, the rematch here. They fought for the first time in November. They do it again here in a few short days. Which side you want? Man, my, my heart Tough. my heart breaks here for this one is I really like both these girls. Rose Namajunas especially, just uh, as nice and as sweet as a person as they come. Listen, I, I think uh, we will end up seeing a trilogy fight between these women. I do think Ioana Young Jacek will win this fight. I think it's going to be a close one. I think she wins by decision. Um, I, I something just wasn't right in Yuana, and that doesn't mean Namiunas can't beat her again. I think Namiunas absolutely has the skills to beat Yuana Young Jacek, either on the feet or on the ground. Namiunas certainly has the advantage on the mat. Uh, she's much better with her submissions there. I think for Yuana Young Jacek, though, a couple things. She didn't have the the best weight cut in that fight, and she very much is that kind of fighter. That once she gets into her rhythm, she just starts to pull away from you. She never was able to get into her rhythm. Rose Namajunas' pressure was the main cause for that, but also she just was not moving with the same speed. She wasn't throwing the same combinations. Uh, her head didn't seem right heading into this one. Um, I think Yuana uh, gets the win by decision here uh, as much as that breaks my heart here. And I've said I'm just looking forward to 25 minutes potentially in a championship fight because I think it would be wildly entertaining. And, uh, yeah, it, we'll see. I thought most telling from our conversation with Mike Brown last week was when he was talking about Ioana Jacek. He said most fighters wouldn't have even made weight. And when you talk about the percentage of her body 16 weight. 16 pounds was, in a day, dude. That, that was more than what I did at, at uh, 145, I think. It's nuts, the percentage nuts. of her body weight. We'll see. Rose Namajunas trying to make it two straight over the former strawweight queen. Now some quick picks here. So no analysis needed. Certainly feel free to give your two cents if you've got something or, or if you're particularly strong on one side or you feel convicted by all means, Dallas. But otherwise, we just want winners here. Carolina Kovalkiewicz minus 185. Felice Herrig plus 150. Herrig has won four in a row. Never been closer to a title shot than she is right now. Kovalkiewicz and Felice Herrig. Dallas, who do you like? Uh, too much high-level experience. I'm going Kovalkiewicz. Kovalkiewicz for Dallas. Ken Flo, your thoughts? All right, I got to go the opposite way here. I need one to go the other way than, than Dallas, so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Felice here. And I would think some value there, plus 150. So this one at flyweight, Ray Borg minus 270, Brandon Moreno plus 210. I mean, I love me some Ray Borg, Dallas, but this line seems a bit wide to me. I mean, Moreno can do some things. Who do you like here in this one? You know, they they both scramble a lot, and you're right. He can definitely do some things, but I'm still going with Ray Borg. I feel like he's going to catch him in a submission. Can flow Borg, Moreno, which way are you going? Um, I, I like both these guys. I really like Moreno, great kid. I, I just think Borg is a little bit sharper on the mat. All right, Evan Dunham has not lost since 2014, coming off a draw against Benil Darius. He was to face Merbeck Tysumov this weekend. Instead, the relatively short-notice replacement, Olivier Aubame-Mercier, ends up being a bigger fight, I think, according to a lot of people, certainly in Canada. Dunham minus 135, OAM is plus 105. Dallas, who do you like? I'm going with the dog, OAM. Ken Flo, you know Aubame-Mercier pretty well. Obviously, yep. Dunham and you... Uh, we're in the UFC at the same time. What do you think here? Oh, geez. You know, this is a tough one. Uh, I think OAM has some good takedowns, might have the advantage there. I think Dunham uh, is very seasoned. The question is, is he too seasoned? Has he been fighting for too long? I think he still has it in him, though. I'm going to go with Evan Dunham here. All right, and last two quick fellas. Joe Lozon, minus 175. Chris Gritzmacher, plus 145. Dallas. I'm taking J-Lo, Joe Lozon. 
Lozon, Kenflo, any lean there? Lozon, Gritzmacher? Yeah, going with Lozon, going with the Boston boy. All right, and then Alex Caceres, minus 140, Artem Labov, plus 110. Dallas, make the 10th one count, kid. Who do you like? I'm taking the underdog, the goat, as they call him, the Siberian Express. Choo-choo, I'm taking Artem Labov. Oh, yes. The Siberian Express, Artem Labov, Kenflo, Labov, Caceres. Nice and flowy, Artem. Nice and flowy, <laughs> Artem. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Artem Lobov as well. Damn it, Dallas. How about it. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, right. Anik. We're never having Dallas on the show ever again. How's I'm that? Telling. He's too good. Well, no, I think he's great too minds. good, dude. Great Come minds. On. Hey, Dallas, thank you, man, for the time and the thought you put into it, man. We will see you uh, in Barclays Center this Saturday night, kid. Appreciate it. I appreciate the time, guys. Unfortunately, I won't be there, but I'll be watching from oh. home. Thanks, guys. Great job, Dallas. All right, Dallas, if you need any uh, tickets, just it's at Kenny Florian on Twitter. He has like a <laughs> ton know, of extra. Okay. I got no pull anymore, yeah. man. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, hey, I'll give you Annick's number. I'm going to tweet it out. No, yeah. no problem. I tell you, I don't know if we're sold out. I don't know what the fight's going to do on pay-per-view, but I can tell you that tickets have been hard to come by. Yeah. All right, well, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage competently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash anik, rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, now with us on the guest line, writer, director, producer, Bobby Razik, his film Mask, The Life and Times of Charles Mask Lewis, available as of April 3rd on a number of different platforms. Bobby, thank you for joining us today, man. I know your relationship with the late Charles Mask Lewis had a lot of depth to it, man. So this has got to be a project that had its challenges and, and had some emotions come out of you, I would think, along the way. Absolutely, bro. I mean, I'm still excited about that rocket mortgage. I want to <laughs> get that mortgage with a touch of a button. I'm still, like, trying to get over that, bro. <laughs> Press a button and get a mortgage. I'm Isn't it amazing? It computer. works, too. I've done it. I've been there, man. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, it was very hard. Jonathan um, took a lot of time. Um, it was really a seven-year process to make this film. Um, I kind of consider myself like I was kind of thinking this morning. I'm like a commercial drug dealer. Basically, I'll flip my commercials to make this movie, and uh, we'll do another commercial, flip it, do another commercial, and so yeah, it was a very brutal, long experience. So the trailer is super powerful, as powerful as two or three minutes can be, but I think also chilling. Josh Barnett says of Mask in it, quote, he was one of the true caretakers of MMA at a grassroots level. And I got to think, Bobby, part of the impetus for this project was for this younger generation of fans who just have no idea quite how instrumental this individual was. They see his name on the octagon, but they don't quite understand the depth of the contribution he made early on. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like Muhammad Ali said after, I think Leon Spinks beat him, like, you might be the latest, but I'm the greatest. I mean, you know, in combat sports, there's a very quick turnover. Name, faces, people. I mean, some of the new fans won't even know who Goldberg is now. So it's like, you know, just the way the fans are in combat sports, they move very quickly. So, yeah, it would be great to, you know, you know, introduce the fans to who Mars was and kind of give them, like, almost like a history lesson, you know. It's been like a great history lesson on who Charles was and the early incubation of the sport, you know. Well, I've seen I've seen the movie, uh, Bobby, and and it's amazing. It definitely that's the thing that really comes across. And um, you know, I remember talking to Mask many times, and his charisma and the way he came across, uh, being so genuine and so charismatic, was something that was very special. Um, was that part of the reason why you made this movie? I was actually one of the guys who helped incubate Tap Out. Uh, I was the founder of Tap Out Films. I did all their media. I did all their commercials. Um, yeah, I kind of started with the company. So basically, the goal was to... Well, basically, what happened was, every time I would do a commercial, I'd always film a little bit of Charles. I'd always film a little bit of Charles. And around six months prior to him dying, I had a weird feeling that I should kind of interview him more and get more information. So every time I wow. did a commercial, I'd always kind of filter a little bit of Charles. So when he did pass, I had this incredible body of work. And so... Piecing it together was was basically just getting that body of work and, and making a film. So it was always in my heart to do a piece on him because I did a film called Right to Passage, like I think 15 years ago, mm -hmm. which is yeah. kind of like an early film in a sport. So, yeah, it was something that I felt I had the assets to do. Um, you know, obviously the, the sport came a long way uh, and, and Mask played a huge part in that and really advancing the sport, um, getting people to really know about the culture. What do you think Mask would say about the current state of mixed martial arts? I think about that a lot, Kenny. Um, I mean, so much has changed since Charles died. It's been almost 10 years since Charles passed. It's actually his, uh, his uh, I think his ninth or 10th year was on the 11th. So many things have changed. I mean, we have the Fox deal. You can now watch, you know, UFC on a Sunday morning with your coffee. Uh, I think he would have liked it. I think he would have liked it. I think he would have liked the fact that you know, that UFC has become mainstream. When he passed, it was just in that turnover period. We didn't have the Fox still yet, so you couldn't really see it on, like, any kind of, uh, you know, cable TV or anything. So I think he would have loved that, you know, you don't need to explain to people what MMA was. Kind of like when you were fighting, I think you had to explain probably, yeah. you know, what you did. Yeah. All you the time, I mean? yeah. Oh, fighter, fighting the cage. Yeah, you probably had that conversation, <laughs> but, like, now that conversation isn't there. I yeah. think he would have loved where... MMA is going and also it was sad he didn't see like you know guys like you know Ronda or, or Conor McGregor you know it's you know so many things he missed you know so it's kind of sad there but I think he would have loved it Bobby Razak with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast the film Mask can be yours on April 3rd so it sounded like this was something that was in the back of your mind for a long time it is nine years March of 2018 since his passing back in 2009 so when did you ultimately decide to devote the, the time and the resources to doing a project on Mask? Well, I have the largest stock footage in the history of historical MMA footage, and I own the, right. uh, the trademark history of MMA. So basically, around 2.11, I was kind of going through my library, having a look what I have available. And every time I was going to the library, Mask is always popping up. So I met an investor, Shane Teeter. He gave me the initial funding. And so we basically started 2.11. When I ran out of money, I'd put it in the burner and then, you know, I'd flip a commercial, go back to it again, 
put it back in the burner. So around 211 is kind of when I incubated Mask and, and decided to kind of really go forward. So I think like 10, 11, like maybe two or three years after he died. So it's hard to get great insight to a film. I would point people to the trailer, and certainly you can access it on Amazon and iTunes come April 3rd. But if your goal going in was to sort of secure his legacy, is there anything in the film, a little anecdote or otherwise you could point us to, that sort of helps tell his story and helps, at least in your mind, do what you set out to do, secure a legacy that really, I think, needed to be secured in a sport that we all hold pretty dear? Well, I mean, uh, nothing, Kenny, you saw an older cut of the film. Mm-hmm. So basically, I've expanded on that. Oh, cut. cool. So, yeah, so there's like an additional 10 minutes. You know, there's a whole bunch of new things. Because when I got the deal with Gravatar, they were like, well, can you expand on this a little bit, you know, from the earlier cuts? So I was like, yeah, totally. There's more stuff I wanted to put in there. Um, to answer your question, John, like, are you saying is there one part of the film that really stands out for me or? Yeah, or just, yeah, anything that I think would give insight at least to to our listeners as to how special a guy this was. I mean, I only met him once, but he just had a way about him that he made an impression on you for life in those 30 or 60 seconds. You know, uh, and Kenny might know this too. I mean, Charles had a very unique way of communicating with people. He always made you feel very special. For years and years, I thought I was incredibly special. The way he <laughs> And then when I went to his funeral, I'd hear other people talk. And, like, he had the ability to make you feel special in his communication. Like, you was the one that, you know, kind of, like, made him feel special. And he had this weird way of communicating where you felt you was the one, that you was incredibly big in his life. And he would do that to everyone. So he would have these kind of, like, quotes for you. Like, every time you see me, it's Razor Razor. And... He had a nickname and, you know, we'd have this crazy communication, but he would have that with everyone. So I think the biggest ability was that he had an ability to, you know, make you feel special. I don't know if you experienced that, Kenny. Did he have a kind of way of communicating with you too? Or? Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and I think w- one thing that came across um, in, in your movie was the fact that he, he didn't come from this happy, special place either. He, he had demons coming up, and I think you saw a guy who had defeated and moved past those demons and realized it's only through positivity that he can really rise above. And once he held on to that, he passed that on to every single – I have chills thinking about this. I remember talking to him on an airplane going from, uh, I think, Vegas to Boston, and just the, his energy that came across was so special. He was so positive. Um, and you carry that with you. He passed that on to you. Um, so just a, a really, really special human being. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he was a black man from San Bernardino who kind of came from nothing, and he just had to fight to get everything he wanted in life. And so watching his story, even on a business level, is incredible. Always kind of like, you know, kind of growing up in Tottenham, I didn't have any role models growing up, especially I came from a very impoverished area, drugs nobody really didn't think in life and then meeting charles seeing this man of color like pushing forward breaking barriers going to a new level he was also like he was kind of like a mentor and a friend too i just was always you know i always was in awe of him you know i mean he was like my denzel washington you know (laughs) (laughs) well and i think even those of us that admired him from afar and didn't have the super close personal relationship sort of put him on that pedestal were in awe of the persona the film suggests that he was an introvert, Bobby, which is something that I never expected to hear. 
man, he was a crazy introvert. He yeah. would go into the mask character and be gregarious and, and fun loving and crazy. But when he took up that, uh, when he took up that makeup, when he took out, when he took out mask, he was very insecure. He was very quiet. Wasn't a great communicator was a little bit odd, had a hard time, you know, speaking to people. I remember I was working in a nightclub called Ivar. I was a bouncer and uh, we had worked on my first film, Race of Passage. So I hadn't seen him for like around a year and I saw him in a club and he didn't know I was a bouncer at a club. And I just went up to him and I started speaking to him and we had lost touch for like around a year. And I remember he was completely stuttering, didn't know how to communicate with me. Mm. And I was like, because he didn't have, that was the first time I saw him about masks. He was like normal Charles Lewis. And I remember yeah. he was completely bumbling. It was just like totally fascinating to see him go from this crazy big character to like, you know, simple Clark Kent, you know? And that really was his superhero costume. And that was his costume, you know? Yes, he was greatly influenced by uh, Kiss. He loved Kiss and he wanted to, you know, you know, the, the, co the costume and the superheroes away from him to get out of his character. And actually before he died, we were basically working on another character where he was going to be the evil master. You had Charles Lewis, wow. his mask, he wanted to do good. Then you had this crazy evil mask, and that was the kind of character, if you see the commercial one, when he jumps off the building, and then he kind of morphs into his animal. So he always liked to explore with different characters, different personas, kind of like the guy, Man in the Moon. What's his name again? The Man Andy the Kaufman. Moon? Yeah, Andy Kaufman was very complicated, yeah. and, you know, and I think Charles was incredibly, incredibly complicated, and, you know, if you didn't understand that while working with him, it could be a kind of problem sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch the film and get to know this great human being even more. Mask available this week on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, several other places as well. Bobby Razek, good to talk to you, man. We wish you all the best with the film. And, and props to you, man, for paying this type of tribute to your dear friend. So congratulations on it, and hopefully we can get the word out for it. Thanks for a few minutes today, my man. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Kenny. I'm going to go right to my laptop. I'm going to press a button, and I expect an instant loan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go get that I'm Rocket Mortgage. Right now. <laughs> get all over it. Quickenloans.com. No, rocketmortgage.com. I'm giving the wrong Rocket, Rocket Mortgage, baby. One button, form. You're set. A million dollars. Hey, thank hey, you, buddy. We'll talk soon, all right? Kenny, I'm expected to press a button and get, one of, get the mansion you're living in. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Good guys. talking thank to you, you. man. Rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K. See, Bobby doesn't know Ken Flo's downsized a little bit. Focus <laughs> right. is on the I have, kid now. I have. No I'm more banter. Come on, simple. Bobby. I'm trying to gotta be more got to keep simple. up. Yeah. Kenny, I know you knew Mask well, though, and sir, sort of part of your prime dovetailed with when he was doing a lot of things in the mm. space. So uh, you saw the movie, and, and I'm excited to see it here in the next couple of weeks. It, it's powerful, man. I uh, I cried at least once. <laughs> um, he he was really a, was a, a charismatic guy, and I... Um, I'll be honest with you, I never would have signed with Tap Out if it wasn't for Charles Mask Lewis. Um, just the, the way that he communicated to me, um, the realness and, and, and what he portrayed um, was, was quite special. Yeah. Definitely check it out. You guys have to see it. If you want to understand where the sport is now, go see where, where we were and where he came from and, and what kind of uh, trials and tribulations he came through trying to explain to people what mixed martial arts is and was. Ken Flo, you got BattleBots going on, so I trust I will I not do. see you on the desk for UFC 223. Is that right? No, sir. Uh, unfortunately, I, I won't be at, there at the desk. Um, that was one I was really looking forward to, man. Are you going to be able to watch this thing live, though, or probably not? 
Uh, yeah, no, I think I will be able to. Yeah, for okay. sure. I'm going to do right. whatever it takes to make that happen. All right, and I will so. be on the call with Joe Rogan, Jimmy Smith. I uh, hope you'll tune in. Prelims, UFC Fight Pass, FS1, followed by the main card on pay-per-view. All right, that will do it for this week. Thank you to our guests, Daniel Cormier, Bobby Razik, Ray Longo, Dallas Singer on the picks. With that, for The Flow, I'm John Anik. For everybody at Fox Sports, thank you all for listening, for subscribing. Have a great week. Enjoy the hell out of UFC 223, and we'll be with you about 48 hours thereafter to recap the whole thing. It shall be done this weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Until then, you later. Woo! The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Barton, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.